Well, we're in Joshua chapter 10. And uh, boy, we just keep rolling on here. I, I uh, had all day sitting in a hospital just waiting. So I wrote one sermon and uh, I got here this afternoon about 530 and God said, that's not really what I want you to preach. So I've got two sermons and I know that the mind cannot endure more than the rear end can take. So we'll just do one, all right? <laughs> I thought I'd look at the crowd and see who was here to figure out which one of these sermons to preach, but y'all look so desperate, I'm not sure which one to... <laughs> no, I guarantee you. I want us to maybe focus tonight on some lessons for the day of battle. And I know, uh, you know, I, I used to think this probably didn't help older people any. I mean, what, what good is it going to do for the day of battle when somebody's 80 or 90 years old. But I want to tell you, we're talking about a spiritual battle, and I want to tell you something. Some of you think you're 40, 45 years old, and the world is just caving in on you. It still caves in on us when we're 70 and 80 years old, too. These It may be even worse. <laughs> These battles are here, and they're real, and they're spiritual battles. Most of them are spiritual battles. Now, chapter 10 opens with five of the Canaanite kings joining forces because they're going to, they, they have understood, remember in chapter 9, the Gibeonites came over and signed a treaty with them. And so now all these other five kings over there, they're all hacked off because the Gibeonites came over, signed a treaty. So now they're fixing to go whip the daylights out of the Gibeonites. Well, what happens, though, remember, Israel signed a treaty. Joshua signed a treaty with them. So we'll find out that they holler at Joshua. Joshua and the men of Israel come over, and they, they're blessed, all right? Uh, let's read verse 6 through 14. Uh, and the men of Gibeon, uh, Joshua 10, verse 6, sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come quickly. In other words, don't, don't, listen, don't drink coffee. Don't stop for a Coke. I mean, come quick and help us and save us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. Aren't you glad that Joshua didn't have as far to go as what the Gibeonites told him he had to go? We've come from a faraway country. And if that were true, Joshua would have never been over there in time. But he goes on to say, uh, he ascended from Gilgal, the people war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomforted them before Israel, slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah and unto Makeda. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, uh, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah. And they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. 
And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Joshua returned, and all Israel with him unto the camp to Gilgal. But these five kings fled, hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. All right, now, these Canaanites kings did not realize it, but they're playing right into the hands of God and Joshua. See, Joshua was going to go and fight each one of them, but he was going to have to fight each one of them individually. So instead of having to five, five, uh, fight five wars, they've all come together, and Joshua whips them in one battle. So he don't have to go to five different locations. I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but I mean, I think they at least got to sit on the front porch and run in the rocking chair for a little while because they've, they've caught up. I mean, you know, they're, they're way ahead of what their schedule was because all these kings came against them. Uh, regardless, uh, for Israel, this is just another battle in their conquest of the promised land. But for us, I want to tell you, this is a clear, vivid picture of the Christian life right here. And that's what's exciting about this. While it is true that we can thank God that we're never alone to face our battles, Hebrews tells that, Matthew 28, 20 tells that, we have the promise of the one who is ever-present help in time of need, Psalm 46, 1 tells us. He said, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon me. I want to tell you, I just remind ourselves as we teach this tonight that the battles are always there. We never get to a point where we say, Phew, thank God the battles are over with. I asked one of my old deacons that many years ago. He was in his 80s. And I said, Brother Leonard, when, when, when does the time come when you don't have to face, you know, the temptation of lust and the temptation of, of uh, just laying down and doing nothing, complacency and apathy. When does that come? And he was, I think he was 86. He said, well, it hadn't happened yet. And uh, so I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to happen until either the Lord comes or else he comes to get us one. Paul writes, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If our battles are spiritual battles, you know, just take this, let's just be sensible, okay? Forget spiritual. You can be just dumb as a rock and understand this. If the battle is spiritual, the weapons ought to be spiritual too. I mean, if we're dealing with the spirits and the demons and all of these things, us sitting up here like Fred Sanford, hitting our hands in the air and all that, you know, that's not going to do anybody no good because we're not fighting flesh. And Fred's part, it never does nobody any good because he never hits nobody. He just acts like he's going to. But I'm telling you, if the battle is spiritual, if it's physical battle, then get some physical weapons. But it's not. It's spiritual. Now, uh, there's a lesson here about the Savior. They're preparing for battle, 
and the Lord comes to him with his promise to help him. He said, don't be afraid. I'm with you. He's about to go to war for his people. And uh, uh, these verses that we're going to deal with here tonight, they speak of a supernatural God. People who, you know, supernatural. And I, somebody put on here today, uh, they just reposted a Facebook thing about the creation. I don't remember who it was. Uh, it was a wonderful, beautiful thing on creation. I don't know if it's a sunset or something. Anyway, something like that. And I, I read down through the comments. It was it come from all over, but somebody in our church reposted it. And I, I lost count. I finally just got depressed and shut it off of people thinking that there is no God. I mean, saying it on Facebook, there's no God. The creation we enjoy is, is the earth. There's no God. And they're mimicking God and mocking God. And every once in a while, somebody would come on there and say, you, you'll find out one day there's a God. And, I, you know, that's what I want to do. But I had it three or four times written down, and I erased it because I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to love everybody. And uh, I do. I tell you I do, but I'm lying. Uh, but uh, all these people saying, you know, your church is a crock. Your church is just... Uh, for the people who are not strong enough to stay on their own. And there is no God. And if there was a God, why would he allow this and all that stuff? But I want to tell you, there is a God. And when we talk about our Savior here, the first thing he grants his people is peace. You, you, you want to know why some of you don't have peace? You're not talking to the right Lord. I'm telling you right now, Jesus will give you peace. He, the words in verse 8, fear them not. His challenge to his people was for them not to fear the enemy. He's reminding Joshua that he's still in control of the situation. And I want to tell you, folks, he's still in control today. He's in control today. Don't fear what's going to happen. He's in control today. Uh, he gives us the kind of peace that's not like normal peace. It's a peace that passes understanding. You, you, you try to figure it out, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy. You know, we'll figure it out. But if you'll just trust in the Lord, his peace will overcome you. He, he said in Philippians 4, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I was, I was thinking last night of all the things that, that I have on my prayer list and I go over them and all but but you know uh, I know y'all don't do this but I, I get so far behind that sometimes I'm just thinking about what to pray and I never get on my face and just pray I'm thinking you know I need I, I'm praying Lord you bless this and bless that and this one needs help and all of that but I'm talking about you, you don't get the peace until you get on your face before God Say, God, I need you. I need you. That's when he'll give you the peace that passeth understanding. Uh, I just, nobody's going to convince me that the Lord saved us to be agitated or worried or filled with fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He doesn't intend for us to tremble when the enemies come. And I want to tell you, if you don't think you have any enemies, you're just lying to yourself. Every one of us has got enemies. We've all got kings. Uh, when the day of battle comes, 
The Lord's going to give you peace if you trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I was talking to one of our members, and she's just, uh, well, they're they, it's they. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this, this goes for anybody, not just anyone. But they're, they're down in the dumps, and they don't know what to do. And I said, uh, you reckon there's any correlation to all of this start happening when you dropped out of church? I want to tell you something, folks. The church is a fellowship. It's a family. You need this church. This church needs you. Even when we see right here, I, I understand what people are saying. I do the same thing. People saying, hey, it, 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 you did a good job. And I say, hey, it's a God doing all that. Well, no, it's really not. It's the Holy Ghost in us doing it. I mean, God didn't get behind the steering wheel and drive a bus this afternoon. There was a human had to put a key in there and turn it on. Now, the Holy Spirit did it, and he was with them. But I want to tell you, you had a choice whether you were going to do it or not. The Holy Spirit didn't drag you up here to church tonight. You, you decided you'd come yourself. We need to give credit to the Holy Spirit and praise God. Without him, we can do nothing. But the real truth is the Holy Spirit uses us in his ministry. I mean, the, he, he told Joshua, fear not, Joshua. Uh, you, you, you're, going to, uh, you're going to beat this people. Every, every, they're, they're not going to be one of them left today. So why didn't Joshua just say, well, Lord, why don't we bake some cookies and have some iced tea and just sit here and relax? I mean, if, if the Lord's already promised it to us, why do we have to hike all the way up there all night and get in a battle with these people? Why don't we just sit here and, you know, God's already promised us? You'd be surprised how many people do that. You'd be surprised. God gives his people peace uh, with the day of battle, but he also grants his people his promise. The Lord didn't stop with just a, a word of encouragement. Uh, he, he went on to give them the promise. Uh, I, I just remind you again on this Wednesday night, the Lord didn't save you for you to be defeated. He, he did not go to Calvary and die on a cross, go in a tomb, come back up from the dead, and ascend up into heaven so that you and I could just get by in life. That's not God's plan for our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, thanks be unto God, which causeth us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the savor of his knowledge. Romans 8, 37, all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now that don't mean that every situation in life is going to work out the way you want it to. That's not what that means. But I want to tell you, it does mean that the Lord can enable you to live above your circumstances. I was talking to a preacher yesterday. I was driving to Dallas, and we've been having a real trouble down there. One of the pastors there, him and his wife, had embezzled $68,000, and the church was just in a mess. It owed the bank. It owed the electric company. And so we found this guy. I knew him there from Mississippi that's, going to walk by faith. He's going to live in the back of the church. 
Now, they, they, they're down to four people. He had 28 on Easter, and the next Sunday, 16, and he called me Sunday, just lowering a snake. Didn't have a six. And I said, well, Thomas, you know it's, it's going to be a tough road. He called me, he called me, uh, uh, let's see, days, when, uh, Tuesday. He, we call him Screamer because he is one of these old country preachers that you, you think he's not going to catch a breath. He just, I call him, a, he just screams, you know, just goes right on. But he called me screaming over the phone. I said, Thomas, well, settle down, settle down. Well, I can't understand you. Becky was in the truck listening uh, on the thing, too. And he said, they're here repossessing the air conditioners. <laughs> I said, lift your hand and praise the Lord. That's what you got to do, Thomas. He's God's bigger than the circumstances. So we, I called, we got all that straight there. The last pastor had said it, it was all paid for, but he had never paid anything on it. So they owe for the air conditioners too. And uh, his deal was, what have you gotten me into? I said, well, now look, you told me the Lord wanted you to come. So if the Lord wants you to come, he don't want you to quit two weeks in. I can just tell you that. But I'm just telling you, he gives us the promise that we're, we're going to continue on. doesn't mean everything's going to work out like we want it to, but it does mean everything's going to glorify and honor Jesus, and he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Then he gives them power, uh, the demonstration. But verse 11, God sends the hail. <laughs> And, and uh, basically, uh, in, in 1970 is the largest hail that we've got registered that we know of. It was 1.7 pounds, fell in Kansas. Now, a, they figured it out that a 1.7 pound piece of ice would have to be traveling 100 miles an hour when it hit the earth. So I can just tell you, we're not talking about little old pea-sized hail here. We're talking about 1.7 big hail, and it's, it's killing everybody. In fact, the Bible says there were more of them slain by the hailstorm than they were by the Israelites. But that's not the, that's not the best part. <laughs> the, you know what's happening here? They're in the middle of this big hailstorm, and none of the Israelites are getting hit. Hell flying all around them, killing people to their left and to their right and everywhere else. And the Israelites, ain't one of them been hit yet. You talk about a miracle. Man, that, <laughs> that, that's it. Uh, I, I, I just sit there and I thought, wow. Uh, then not only that, but he, he moved in the heavens. The Lord performed one of the greatest miracles ever recorded. He stopped the sun and the and uh, in the heavens and extended the daylight hours, uh, probably, uh, and there's a lot of scientists that have gone back and tried to figure this out, many of them have, and said that there's an extra uh, 24 hours here that nobody knows where it comes from. Well, I'll tell you where it came from. <laughs> God stopped this thing for 23 hours and 40 minutes is about what it was, and then he had another time where he had 40 minutes, he uh, three hours and 20 minutes. He plugged 40 minutes in later on to make it uh, a full 24 hours. Now, a lot of people have ridiculed this. Some believe this miracle even proves the Bible's uninspired, uh, uninspired here. But the language here, uh, you know, they say, oh, no, 
But we, we speak of the sunset and the sunrise. Well, we know now the sun don't set and the sun don't rise. It's the earth that's moving. But the Bible speaks of the sunset and the sunrise. We talk about the sunset and the sunrise, but there's no sunset and sunrise. The earth is the one that's moving. N never forget that God is sovereign, and he can do whatever he so well pleases to do. And I praise the Lord for that. Then ancient history, the Chinese writings, the Babylonian and Persian documents all record the legend of a day that's extended. Herodotus, an ancient historian, recounts that. And then the uh, calendar even uh, supports it. You use an ancient uh, Chaldean calendar system, uh, and uh, uh, you literally have one day extra in there. doesn't make any difference which way you try to figure it. And then some are going to count that, that, that uh, and I love this, I love this. They're going to say, preacher, this violates the laws of nature. Now let, now let me teach you a little something here. Some of you are going to blow your pantyhose up tonight, all right? There are no laws of nature. There are laws of God that govern nature. But there are no laws of nature. God can do whatever he wants to. You say, oh, yeah, there's a law of gravity. No, God can stop you right there if he wants to. There are laws of God that govern nature. And that's totally different from saying, well, nature has its own laws. No, they don't. The bottom line is God intervened supernaturally on the behalf of Israel, and he gave them the daylight they needed to get the job done. Uh, see, they got a real problem here because when they started fighting them up there in, in the city, then all of a sudden they're running as fast as they can down the mountain. Well, they, they have to kill all of them before nightfall. Now, I think this is important too. Joshua did not ask the Lord to do a miracle and wipe them out before he got down there. Joshua asked the Lord, Lord, would you extend the daylight so we can go down there and kill them? Now today, folks would say, well, that's crazy. Just let God kill them. But Joshua was not going to do, he was not going to expect God to do something that he could do for himself. So he said, Lord, if you'll just extend the daylight a little while here, we'll go on down here and get the business done. Because you told us this day there would not be a one of them standing. We need a little bit more time to make that happen, Lord. <laughs> It's amazing, the supernatural. Uh, I, I, there are times when the Lord's going to intervene in your life. I believe he intervened last Monday afternoon in my life, or Monday morning. I got to Texarkana. I was going to do that MRI that, you know, you sit up and watch a movie. And I asked the lady at the desk, I said, now this is where, oh, yeah, there's only two people in Texas got this. I said, I know that, y'all, and one in Richardson. And that's why I drove from Longview to Texarkana to do this thing. Oh, yes, sir. No problem. Already paid my money. Get back there. And I walk in that room, and there's that same old MRI. I said, whoa, where's the one that you see, get to see the movie? She said, oh, uh, you can't do that with a shoulder. That's only for your brain or spine or head, neck injury and all. You, you can't do a shoulder with that. I said, well, I can tell you this, I'm not doing a shoulder with that either. 
and she, she was a Christian. We'd already talked about the Lord. She said, Pastor, what if I can turn you enough to where you're looking out the side instead of looking up right there at that top? I said, that would be better than anything I've heard yet. And so she propped me up on a pillow, and I'm looking out the side. I never dared look up right up at the top. I looked at that side, the side wall over there. I said, all y'all need to do is put a TV over here on this wall right now, and we could live with this. And then I felt so bad. Becky had an MRI yesterday, and she came out, and it was one of the old ones where they put you in the tank and close the lid. Solid black. I'm telling you, solid black in there. I said, well, that ain't for me. But I'll tell you, I believe supernaturally the Lord made 45 minutes going about 15. I don't think I could have stood it. I've seen God heal people. You've seen God heal folks. Man, Sheila's one of them. I mean, we could sit here and talk all day about how God has healed people. But the bottom line is, he doesn't always do that. I mean, I've seen drunks delivered, and they never took another drink in their life. But I've seen some drunks delivered that had to fight with it the rest of their entire life. I, I've seen uh, saints that were healed but I've seen others who died with their diseases. I'm just saying there are times when the Lord's going to move supernaturally, and there are times when he's not. And our problem is we need to pray by faith that he's going to, but I want to tell you God's a sovereign God. You're not going to make God do anything. And I, we don't know the reason, but we know God knows the reason. And I'll tell you one thing we need to always remember. Our God is a good God. I don't care what happens to me in the next five minutes. Our God's a good God. Then there's a lesson here about the saints. I've got to hurry. We're almost out of time. This is where I wanted to spend a little more time. The, the, the first part deals with the supernatural aspect here, and God gave them victory. But there's still more of the battle to be fought here. Israel, not the Lord, engaged in the battle. Now, number one is this. We must control the enemy. If you're going to live in victory, you've got to control the enemy. Uh, these five kings tried to hide themselves, and I don't have time to read it, read that 10th uh, chapter, but they went in a, a cave and they hid themselves. So old Joshua says, uh, he goes to that cave and he said, let's roll some rocks over this cave so they can't get out. So the whole time the battle's going on, the five kings of those armies were inside the cave in there. They couldn't get out couldn't escape then after they they beat them and, and won uh, uh, then they went back to get them now that's a picture of control they control those enemies by uh, locking those kings down in that cave uh, when God saved you and God saved me he changed us amen aren't you glad of that I don't want to tell you in the middle of it, our old sinful nature is still alive. And anything we don't control, it will rise up to try to defeat us. I've told you that story about that old boy that on his deathbed, he had fought uh, dogs, had two dogs, a black dog and a white dog. And they'd had dog fights, and he had literally gotten rich off betting on those dogs. And... Uh, Man, it was, nobody, he would never tell nobody how he always knew which dog was going to win. Finally, on his deathbed, his son said, Daddy, ain't none of us, we're going to be broke. Ain't none of us know how you know which dog's going to win. 
Would you tell us before you die? He could barely mutter the sentence. He said, the dog you want to win, you feed that week. The other one gets no food. Now, I want to tell you, in our life, you want to be spiritual and you want to reap the blessings of God, then you feed the Spirit. You don't want to do that, then you just go home and watch this television. You, you, you can pick any channel you want to. Even the religious channel is about half goofy. It doesn't matter what channel. I mean, even murder she wrote sometimes I get aggravated in. But I'm telling you, uh, we, we used to say in college, uh, it was Gibo. Gibo. That's what everybody in college knew what that was, Gibo. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your mind is going to come out of your mind. So we've got to control the enemy. It's important to note that part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, temperance. Mm. Uh, as a child of God, you, we have no right to do what we please. We need to do what will honor Jesus. Those fruits of the Spirit there, you're not going to, they're not gifts. You, you get them by being disciplined. Every one of us ought to possess those things. And then not only must we control the enemy, but we've got to confront the enemy. Uh, after the battle had been won, Joshua comes back to the cave where he locked the five kings in there, brought the five kings out, and, uh, and humiliated them, having his princes place their feet on their neck. I mean, that's humiliation. We need to do the same thing spiritually. Every one of us in this room here, we got some kings that we fight in our lives every day. Now, you can sit here and look pompous and say, I don't, all you want to. But I'm telling you, every one of us in this room, because we're all alike, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I, I, we've got to be very careful that we don't let pride come into our life. I, I remember uh, the story about a Sunday school teacher that had taught on the uh, Pharisee and, and, uh, and her closing statement was this. Let's all pray, children, that we never become like the Pharisee. Well, you're already like him. You're already like him. We, we've got to constantly be controlling and confronting the enemy. Proverbs 28, he that covereth his sins uh, shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Hmm, that's pretty clear. Then we've got to conquer. Not only control, not only confront, but we need to conquer the enemy. We used to, in my wild young days, we sang a chorus, uh, and uh, it was, uh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Have y'all ever heard that chorus? Boy, that's a good chorus. Uh, Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Oh, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And then here's the exercise part. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. That's where he needs to be. You've got to conquer him. You can't sit there and say, well, you know, I just don't, I don't know. I know. Get up in the name of Jesus with the blood of Jesus and conquer the devil. 
through Jesus. Now, you're not going to do it yourself. The Holy Spirit's got to do it with you. Well, we, 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 Paul says, I die to the flesh every week. Oh, no, he says daily, doesn't he? <laughs> I guarantee you, if you don't do it daily, in fact, some of us have to do it every hour. Uh, it's not daily, it's hourly. Uh, and then steadfastness, let me quit. Verses 28 and following there, <clears throat> Israel completes their conquest of the central portion of Canaan there. But even though it's completed, there's still battles to fight. Even though you're saved, even though you're spirit-filled, even though you're walking with the Lord, I'm telling you there's still some battles that you're going to have to fight. I, I, wish, I wish somebody could fight some of them for us. Give us a rest. Wouldn't that be nice? But it's individually. Our battles will confront us every day. Uh, if you've been waiting on easier times to serve the Lord, I got some news for you. It, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not so sure that, you know, in a lot of ways, we, we talk about how hard it is to serve the Lord and all. What we're really saying is we got our priorities so messed up that it's hard to find time to do what God wants us to do. Mm. We've got to fight daily. So if you've got something to do for the Lord, do it today. If you're sitting here tonight and you need to be saved, you need to be saved today. Because if he comes during the night, you're going to go to hell if you're not saved. You're not going to get another shot at it. And then we've got to fight with determination. Uh, old Joshua fights his battles for a long time. That tells me he had determination. Don't quit. We got people quitting all the time, throwing in the towel. I've had enough of it. I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm giving up. Man, we need folks now who will stand up and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not backing up. I'm not shutting up. I'm not letting up. I'm moving forward for the glory of God. And there are going to be some people that will mock you. But you know, those who are laughing and mocking you when they get in trouble, I promise you, you'll be the first one they come to. You'll be the very first one they come to. Say, look, I don't know how to pray, but I know you do. Would you, would you pray for my family? Would you pray for my children? Would you pray for this special need? Listen, don't, don't drop out on God. Don't drop out on God. And then we got to fight with devotion. Uh, it's a wonderful way for a person to live the way Joshua was living here. Uh, our, our duty is to be devoted to the Lord. Uh, but even in fighting, uh, it, 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 we, we got to keep the plow in one hand and the weapon in the other to make sure that, that, God, that the devil doesn't overtake us. Uh, it all boils down to this. Who's got the priority in your life? I saw uh, one of our deacons his son had a make-up ball game tonight, but he told his coach, we don't play ball on Wednesday night. I'm sorry. And they're here tonight. I, I just want to tell you, he didn't have to do that. Nobody, you know, in this church is critical of those who have kids that play ball on Wednesday, not even on Sunday. Thank God we're not 10 years ago. I'd have preached that off the wall right there. But, you know, it's just, that's, that's the way this life is. So you say, well, preacher, it's just not fair. 
No, what it does is it makes you choose who's going to be Lord in your life. <laughs> That's what it does. It, it, uh, whoever said life has ever been fair? I mean, my soul. Life's not fair. But it all boils down to who has the priority in your life. It'll be you or it'll be God. But when it's God and you're so in love with him, I guarantee you, you'll, wanna, you, you'll, you'll work your fool set to death trying to please him because you love him so much. Eventually, the battles of life are going to end and the long day is going to be finished and we're going to be saved, go home to heaven to rest. But until then, the song says, my heart will go on singing. We still go on fighting the battles. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a loser. I want to be on the winning side. And I done read the end of the book. If you're on the side with the Lord, sold out for Jesus, you're going to be on the winning side. There'll be people, you know, sometimes I think maybe, see, you can't blame everything on the devil because God's sovereign. Some, sometimes God may put a Goliath in our life just to see if he can get a David to come out of us. Hmm. Father, I thank you tonight for the joy to be in your house. Lord, I, I wish we had better news that maybe this thing could end. We could compromise and have a truce. But we know, God, the devil is the deceitful liar above all liars. And there's no rest and no peace, no real uh, laying back until you come for us. And, Lord, if we're praying in this room that you do, you do that quickly. I know there's a, a lot of folk need to be saved. A lot of our families may need to be saved. But Lord, our desire is that you come quickly. I pray for people all around us that need you. That you would help us to be an instrument to witness to them. And a vessel to bring them to the Lord. And at least, Lord, let us be planting seeds. We claim that victory in Jesus' name. There's one little old chorus we used to sing, Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. So many now are dying out in sin. Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. A few more days to get our loved ones in. We don't have any idea when he's coming, but he's coming. God bless you. Amen. Don't forget Sunday morning. Go have a good time in the Lord's house. It's going to be good.